As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Howdy, everyone. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. Lots to get to today. The trade deadline was yesterday. The Rangers were, as we expected, very busy in the last week. Um, since we last talked, they added four players. Frank Vitrano was last Wednesday, the first one that they brought in from the Panthers for a fourth-round pick. Uh, and then yesterday, very busy deadline day for, uh, for Chris Drury. Justin Braun came from Philly for a 2023 third-round pick. Tyler Mott uh, from Vancouver for a 2023 fourth. And then the big addition, Andrew Kopp from Winnipeg for a couple of second-round picks that have some conditions to them. One could be a first if the Rangers make the conference final. And Andrew Kopp plays at least half of the playoff games. Uh, and Morgan Barron, uh, the only player that uh, that the Rangers sent out. So four new guys. Uh, they'll all play tonight. Vitrano's obviously already played a couple games uh, since he arrived last week. He's played three. And... Uh, Andrew Kopp will play tonight on the third line, it looks like, to start with Philip Heedle and Dryden Hunt. Tyler Mott goes in on the fourth line with Barkley Goodrow and Ryan Reeves. Justin Braun goes in for Braden Schneider, and we'll certainly talk a little bit more about that one since that was kind of the mo- the, you know of, of the needs the Rangers had. That was the one that maybe raised an eyebrow a little bit. But all in all, a very busy day to recap, and I'll bring in our producer and Ranger fan Chris Flannery. Chris, thanks for ha- thanks for coming back on. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a very <laughs> exciting day here. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was a busy day and it went kind of down to the wire, but it never really felt like they were out of anything just from talking to the, the people that I know. You know, there was definitely some interest in Ricard Raquel. Um, there had been interest in Andrew Kopp for a long time, it seemed, uh, that Kopp himself talked about today. Um, and the Braun situation, you know, it seemed like they were going to get a defenseman, but righty versus lefty, it didn't, it didn't feel like a righty was the priority. It, Talking to Chris Drury on a conference call yesterday, it seemed to them, to the Rangers, that that a righty was was certainly as much of a priority as getting a lefty. Um, you know, and as far as kind of like 
tires that had been kicked, you know, they I think they'd been in contact with Arizona about Phil Kessel. That was kind of a if we have space and have a need, which they didn't because they got those other guys. Uh, I know that they had talked to Detroit about Nick Letty, who's a lefty, ended up going to St. Louis for a decent return. Um, you know, and Alexander Georgiev is maybe the one guy that we thought might move, uh, especially after his great game on Sunday in Carolina, but probably too little too late for, for a team that has interest in a goalie going forward for this season. Um, in the summer, I'm sure he'll have some people that, uh, that will look at the film of that game and say, this is a guy we can work with. Um, but he's a ranger for now. And, and, you know, what do you think? They bring in four guys, which is a lot of guys to bring in in the week before the deadline. You don't see a lot of teams that are headed for the playoffs uh, in the position the Rangers are in, adding that many guys uh, that are all going to play too. Um, so what did you think of uh, kind of the, the overall haul uh, after after the deadline bell rang? I, I was very, I'm very happy with it still. I'm, I'm really excited to see what the lineup looks like tonight. I think, We've talked about it so much leading into the deadline, and it's been a topic of conversation for the team all season that, you know, five on five play has been an issue for them. And we've seen it really, you know, over the last since since that two week break, we've really seen it uh come to a head, I think, with with some of the injuries that have happened. Um so I you know, I wasn't surprised that they added four pieces. Yeah, you know, again, like we'll which we'll get into a little bit more. The Justin Braun one seems um the most surprising of them, obviously, you know, but the other three, uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the deadline, Andrew Kopp uh, was a, a name that I really liked actually, that was out there that was kind of connected to the Rangers. So it was really great um, to see him come in. He seems like a guy that, you know, depending on how this, this plays out the rest of the season and into the playoffs that could probably stick around here and become, uh, you know, an important piece uh, in that middle six. Uh, Vitrano obviously has played really well so far. I think he's fitted nicely, um, with Shoma Panarin and I, you know, Tyler Mott, I don't know a ton about him, but from what I've been reading, that seems like exactly the type of guy, um, that you'd like to add to, to that bottom six role. He can eat up some penalty kill minutes. Um, you know, he's going to give you a lot of energy and, and they're all, uh, upgrades over guys that have been playing in the lineup for the whole season. And I think this really gives them the opportunity to roll, four lines, which again, it'll be really nice to see that um, kind of in action tonight. And then it gives them maybe a little bit more room for the top six because they're really going to live or die by, you know, what the, what the high skill guys do in that top six. But you know, when you, when you start to add some reinforcements in the bottom six, that's when you can really see, uh, I think Gerard Gallant's system played to its full uh, capability. And, you know, considering the fact that the Rangers are a top 10 team, a top six team in the league, and they still had room to add four pieces that are definitely going to improve the team. I think that's kind of a scary proposition for a lot of the other teams in the East who, you know, credit to them, uh, you know, teams did improve around them as well. But I think the Rangers really, um, and Chris Drury did the smart thing. They added pieces without subtracting from the roster, without subtracting any of these high end prospects. And, uh, you know, it really gives them a chance to win this season in um it, you know in what i think is the first year of of true uh contention for this team you know they're back i think they've announced that they're back and and we'll see where it goes yeah i think the 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 point you made about not giving up any you know that Nils Lundqvist didn't go anywhere Matthew Robertson didn't go anywhere um even Vitaly Kravtsov who would probably very much like to go somewhere didn't go anywhere um these are all guys that could figure in the Rangers future depending on how the summer goes um you know they they have a they have a difficult cap situation because there's some new contracts because of contracts that they have to give out and you know cop I think 
he's a versatile guy for right now. He's going to start on the left side. He plays the middle. Gerard Gallant said today he prefers the middle, but you know I think Philip Heedle is there for the time being. But uh, but if Andrew Kopp is your is your number three center going forward, you could do a lot worse than that. You know it uh, it it reminds me a little bit of what Lou Lamarillo did with the Islanders a couple of years ago when they at the deadline when they went out and got Jean Gabriel Pajot and you know they had a cap crunch too, but they signed him immediately to an extension because they knew they wanted the, that down the middle to really be their their strength up front. And so you know Cop can give you some versatility. You know he's going to do whatever he's going to do, and I think that. That kind of character piece uh, is always very – it's a well-worn cliche, but it's still important. You know, this is a guy who is coming in uh, to a team that's a pretty tight-knit team um, midseason. He's taken somebody's job, but I think him and Mott, who are you know have known each other for a long time and have both known Jacob Truba for a long time and Frank Vetrano, uh, which is kind of wild that those four guys all came from the U.S. development program and three of them went on to play at Michigan and now they're all back together. Uh, pretty crazy. But um, but I think that part of it, the the, the comfort to come in and say, uh, you know, they're, they're role players. You know, Andrew Kopp is a very talented role player. Um, Tyler Mott does what he does well. Justin Braun, you know, he's he was kind of maybe miscast, I think, in Philly, playing a lot of top four minutes when he's really a third pair guy. Uh, and Vetrano, the, these are these are guys that can fill a role. Um, they're not going to try to do things that they're not supposed to do. They're not going to being asked to do things that not, that they don't normally do. And I think that's going to help because the Rangers' core of high-end talent has really carried them through a lot of this year from Shesterkin on to Fox and the and the big four forwards. They didn't need to go out and, you know, JT Miller would have would have solved some issues going forward, I think, uh, and maybe even in the short term, but it would have cost a lot. And you would have had to wonder, like, is Ryan Strom going to feel pissed off? Is this a situation that's going to kind of sully some of the character? That's not happening now. These are these are guys that have, they brought in to fill roles um, some people are going to be upset, but that's the deal. You know, some of those guys had a long, pretty long leash uh, in the bottom six to show that they belonged in the lineup going forward and into the playoffs, and you know, maybe didn't succeed so well. So, uh, I think all in all, not just how he got it done, but who he brought in, uh, you do have to commend Jury quite a bit for for how he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Like all indications pointed to the fact that Chris Drury was going to be a good GM when he was an assistant to Jeff Gordon. And when he's been in the organization this whole time, that's, you know, the kind of the word that Rangers fans have heard this whole time, but until you actually see it put into practice, um, you know, and people were mad at, at Drury for the Buchnevich trade. Understandably, I still think that's going to work out um, just fine when Sammy Blake comes back, but that's another story. But I, I when you actually see the tra- trade deadline happen, and you understand, you see some of the numbers and some of the the picks and some of the pieces that went around the league for guys where you go, wow, really? That's what he brought in. I don't think the Rangers overpaid at all for any of these pieces. I think they uh, certainly needed them, and I think Chris Drury did a fantastic job, like you said, managing um, expectations, managing chemistry. Um, it is wild the, the connections that these guys have to each other, and with Jacob Truba, I think that's going to mean a lot, and it's gonna it's gonna. Um, help them gel m- much more quickly than than maybe they would have otherwise. So yeah, no, I think Chris Drury deserves a lot of credit here, and it gives them a chance. Look, they still have all their pieces to use in the offseason, whether this works out or or it doesn't. Um, again, I think this is the opening of a window of contention for them, and they still have uh, cards to play when when the time comes. So yeah, d- great job by Chris Drury. I I, I really give him high marks. For Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So the other bit of news that, that Chris Jury dropped uh, on trade deadline day in his uh, conference call with uh, with a few of us who covered the team was uh, Capo Caco, who uh, had wrist surgery uh, back in February. And Kevin Rooney, who's got an upper body injury that hasn't been specified. Neither of those guys are coming back in the next week plus. Uh, early April was kind of the, the designation that Drury gave. And maybe the situation with Rooney, um, you know, Kako not so much just because, you know, he's played a top six role and that's really not what they were going for uh, at the, at, on deadline day. But, but Rooney's situation maybe led to the Mott acquisition becoming a little bit more urgent. Um, but if those two guys can come back before the end of the season, you know, that's 27 guys that they've got here right now. So um, just kind of spitballing, Chris, uh, you know, the best possible 12 they can put out. And it's and it's going to be a difficult decision for, for Gerard Gallant. You, you know, I think dropping Julian Gauthier from the lineup, Johnny Brodzinski, who, who brought some good energy, scored his first goal of the season against Anaheim last week. Um, Which we kind of called, by the way, but that's okay. <laughs> that's right. He was playing well, and we we were all over it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's probably a good 13, 14. You know, those are, you know, that's your probably number 13 forward right there if a guy who's not in the lineup regularly, but certainly could be if you needed something. But then you're getting into guys that have really gotten some, you know, gotten some opportunity in a guy like Dryden Hunt, who we said is going to play on the third line uh, tonight here in Jersey. And Ryan Reeves, who was brought in for a very specific purpose, got an extension. Uh, has played a lot, a lot of games on the fourth line. You know, is that a guy you're going to play every night in the playoffs? So let's let's kind of just get our crystal ball out. Uh, let's say you have Kako and you have Rooney available. You know, to my mind, I think Kako goes back in uh, on that top line with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. Um, yeah, I think I think you have to see a little bit more Frank Vitrano with Panarin and Strom. But if you if you see him maybe shoot the puck a little bit more and start to get used to being in the right spots to receive some of those ridiculous Panarin passes, maybe that's a line that sticks together. And then you probably you know you take Dryden Hunt off of that third line, and you've got uh, you know perhaps you've got a Lafreniere. Uh, Heedle cop third line, which uh, has a little bit of an edge and some skill and that kind of thing. Uh, And then a fourth line with Rooney in the middle, Goodrow on the left and Mott on the right or some configuration. These guys don't, you know, I think third, fourth line guys don't really care what position they're playing as long as they're on in the lineup and on the ice. Um, And Mott is a, is a penalty killer who who gives you good minutes so that, you know, you you don't lose a lot uh, taking your and hunt out. Um, but these are going to be some tough calls, you know, and I think with Gallant, he's a loyal guy. And, uh, you know, it, it, 
he was kind of apologetic this morning when he was asked about, uh, you know, how do you handle guys coming in and just taking jobs? You know, it's it's a difficult situation for some guys that have been here all season long and you got a successful team and, you know, even guys like Gautier who, you know, we, we joke around a little bit about his limited skill. Like he's still part of the team and part of a successful team. So I think it's – you got to – and Gallant's and, and the coaching staff is going to have to manage some egos as we go forward here. So um, – you know, even as I said that top twelve, I'm not still I'm not completely sold that uh, you know, maybe Kako goes back with Panarin and Strom, Lafreniere stays on the top line, and then your third line is Vitrano, Cop, Heedle. Um they've got some options and, and you gotta you got a month or so to sort it out, and maybe even less than that, obviously, because Kako and Rooney aren't aren't healthy now. So uh, you know, where do you see that that top twelve, you know, if you're going game one playoffs, whether it's Pittsburgh or whoever, who's and everybody's healthy. Who do you who do you have in that lineup, and who do you have out? I, I mean, to me, I, I understand the idea of putting Kako back um, with Zabanajad and Kreider. I don't. I feel like there was a maybe a missed opportunity. I don't know what you know what the deal was there, but I feel like Kako looked pretty good for a stretch of games there with Strom and Panarin. So to me, I would keep Lafreniere with with uh, Kreider and Zabanajad. I know. You know, Lafreniere's had a couple of false starts here where it looked like he was going to maybe, you know, get going and, and score more consistently. But I don't think he's been bad on that line. I just don't think he's producing, um, you know, consistently. And obviously that line's kind of been a little quiet recently, five on five. But I, I would keep Lafreniere with with Zabanajad and Kreider. I would try Kako with Strom and Panarin because that line really hasn't been lighting it up either. Although I do think that Vitrano um, has added something there. I think he's he's been a positive. Um, to me, ideally, Vitrano's on that third line um, with Cop and Heedle. I think that's the type of line when I, when I think back of, of like the Broussard, Zuccarello, Pugliotta. I know they play a different style, but that that type of line really can get a favorable matchup against the other team. And I think you could see that third line really causing problems for um, you know the opponent because you're obviously going to try to get your top four out there against the Rangers' top six. So I think that that third line could really end up being a nice. Uh, uh, you know, a nice piece that could keep energy going and probably score a couple of goals uh, if you put, you know, slot Vitrano in there. And then, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think on the on the fourth line, Ryan Reeves can be hit or miss. I'm a fan of his. I think you saw it against Tampa. It was important. He came out. He had a fight. Um, I think Lindgren jumping um, Maroon after he bumped Shesterkin in, in Tampa. I think that that probably, I mean, I think it probably would have happened regardless of whether Ryan Reeves was there or not. But I think it just makes it all the more, uh, easy for the guys to stand a little bit taller when you have somebody like Ryan Reeves in the lineup. Granted, there's going to be some matchups, I think, as you go down the stretch here or when you get into the playoffs, where maybe he you know, isn't going to be as valuable, although it's hard to it's hard to know what game it's going to happen where you need somebody to to stand up and, and drop the gloves. But, um, you know, I, 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 I think that he can be probably in and out of the lineup. And I, and I think he looked, uh, Ryan Reeves, that has looked better when he had, an, had a night off. He got back in the lineup, looked like he had a little more jump. Um, you know, he's a little bit of an older player and, and so I think it's, it's good to be able to give him a break. Uh, but I, I could see him coming out of the lineup a little more often than he has, uh, earlier in the season. And yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think Julian Gauthier, um, probably is going to be the odd man out here, but it's hard to, to say that these guys haven't had their chances. And I think that's what, um, players like about Gerard Gallant. And that's what I like about Gerard Gallant. He's, he's loyal to these guys and he's given them their opportunities and, you know, it just hasn't worked out in certain cases, but I think, you know, Gautier comes out and I think uh, Brodzinski comes out. I think you'll see Hunt kind of stay 
um, in the lineup, and he's looked good now that he's been in the bottom six, which is a more appropriate role for him than than playing with Strom and Panarin. But yeah, I mean, look, it's not a bad place to be that they have these types of options, and they have different ways to manipulate the lineup based on who they're playing and if anybody gets hurt, which you know is going to happen in the playoffs. So I think the Rangers are a much deeper team today than they were uh, last time we talked, and and it'll be real interesting and exciting to to watch how it all kind of comes together down the stretch here. Yeah, definitely. As far as the forwards go, it's it's night and day. On defense, um, that's like we said at the top, bit of a head scratcher with Justin Braun. He, not a, him as a player. He's thirty five. Uh, you know, I think he's played a lot of heavier minutes with Philly the last couple of years than they had ever intended. Playing a lot with Ivan Provorov, whose game has fallen off a cliff in Philly, and I'm sure that that's not due to playing with Justin Braun. He's just a kind of a steady Eddie type, uh, big righty defenseman. Um, Played a lot with Mark Edward Vlasic in San Jose in you know, the first few years of his career. And just you know seems like a very I'll-do-whatever kind of guy. Um, and Chris Drury really seemed to accentuate the right shot versus left shot acquisition on D. You know, they, it, was, it was pretty evident all along that they were looking for someone to kind of supplement what they'd have on defense. Um, we all thought that it was going to be a lefty because Libor Hayek hasn't shown well enough when he's been in. And Patrick Nemeth has really been up and down, mostly down for this entire season. Um, and you just sort of thought like, oh, they'll bring in a veteran who's a lefty and they'll pair him with Braden Schneider. And then the third pair will have a, be a little steadier and Patrick Nemeth can can sub in if need be. Um, and there you go. And lo and behold, it's Justin Braun, a righty who's hardly ever played the left side in the NHL, uh, says that he can do it and he'll do whatever, as he said this morning. But um, you know, the lefty writing thing on D is I think there's 32 NHL coaches that would rather have three lefties and three righties. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not anticipating Justin Braun playing a ton on the, on the left side with Schneider. So he's going in tonight for Schneider. Um, and as we said, Braden Schneider has been really steady. He had a struggle this weekend against two really good teams uh, in Tampa and Carolina. And lots of people struggle against Tampa and Carolina. That's why they're two really good teams. Um and Nemeth really struggled as well. They each took uh, penalties in both games. Um, and, you know, it's it's uh, that third pair. It, everybody got run over in the Carolina game as far as the metrics went. They were especially run over in that game. And even just watching it, you could tell that they were struggling. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not a it's not a unique to the Rangers move to bring in a veteran to to back up a kid. But in this case, is he backing up the wrong defenseman here? Yeah, I, you know, I, th- going into it, and we we you know we talk a little bit off, off the air as well. I, obviously, I everybody thought they were going to go for a left-handed defense, but that was something I, maybe I said on the show or I said to you that I thought that, that was what um, they were going to target. It is curious, but I guess to to you know kind of get into jury's mindset or the team's mindset. Patrick Nemeth has been, you know, he has experience. Both of these guys have experience. Obviously, Braun and Nemeth have more experience than Schneider. They play physical games, both guys. Um, and like you said, there was a little bit of, um, you know, a, a rough weekend for for Nemeth and Schneider. Let, let's put it that way. And that was the first time I think we've seen since Schneider came up that he struggled a bit. And it's not, you know, I'm not putting it on his, like it's completely his fault or anything like that. He's a, he's a kid and he, he's played great since he's come up. Um, to me, I, I think it's just being kind of battle tested for the playoffs, you know, as they go down the stretch here, Braun, I think has played a hundred games or something, a hundred playoff games, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't really discount that Schneider is the long-term 
solution on the right side. I don't think it, this this indicates anything about Braden Schneider other than that he's only played, you know, however many games he's played, 20 games or something. So, um, you know, I think that's it. It is surprising, and I don't think we're we're going to completely see Braden Schneider out of the lineup for the rest of the season. But, um, you know, I, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I think I think Nemeth has been better since he's been back from the injury, although he hasn't it, – it's not been – like lights out. I think he's played okay. Um, but you know, maybe they're banking on the fact that it'll look a little bit better with an, a guy who has a little bit more, uh, experience and, and can play just more of a steady stay at home game. Again, I don't think it's really an indictment on Schneider. It might just be, you know, can we upgrade a little bit and have a little bit more experience going into the playoffs, a little bit more grit, a bigger guy, uh, Justin Braun. So, you know, maybe that's what they're thinking, but, um, you know, I don't think it means anything long-term for Schneider, but it is, it is a surprising move to me. Yeah, and I think I think they do have time and there's 19 games left. You can see what Braun brings yep. and you can certainly make the argument that uh, even if Braden Schneider, if he falters and you've got Nils Lundqvist who also maybe didn't look so great on the right side um, and those are your only two right-handed D to play that third, third pair role and on the left side, you do have Hayek even though he's kind of stunk uh, and not gotten much of an opportunity. And you do have Nemeth, and you do have Zach Jones. You've got at least a little bit more experience behind what you're what you're going with. So maybe yeah. that you know you can you can see their thinking, even if you don't necessarily fully agree with it. Um, and I think the fallback position of well, we've got two veterans in Nemeth and Braun now, and we'll just play them uh, and let the kid watch. Uh, you know, I I would hope that that's not the case, just because. The kid's been pretty good, and oh, yeah. you've got you've got enough on the right side in Fox and Truba that you don't really need to to make Schneider sit out. You know, you can you could play him a few games. You could try to split him a little bit, and then see where you're at. I'm, I'm as soon as that trade was made, uh, an executive I know from another team was said like, "Well, now you know who's going <laughs> to the third pair is going to be for game one of the playoffs. That it's going to be." Nemeth and Justin Braun, almost right. certainly that it's going to be right. the case. So I would imagine that if you're listening to this and you're a Ranger fan, uh, get used to that idea. Because, <laughs> yeah, get, get ready, right. Because there's lots of coaches in the NHL, not just Gerard Gallant, who are going to choose that experience over the young guy every time. And uh, you know, hopefully it changes uh, on the quicker side before it really burns them. But um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, it, it, It's not a big price to pay and uh, – Given what else moved, you know, there were some other guys out there that were possibilities. Calvin DeHaan didn't get traded from the Hawks, uh, a lefty veteran guy who could have filled that left, you know, that kind of left side third pair role. Um, Andy Green didn't get moved from the Islanders. Really, Letty was the only one. And I don't even know if Letty's a a perfect fit for the Rangers because he's much more of a puck moving guy than he is a more stay at home physical guy. So, um, you know, if Justin Braun were left handed, this would be a perfect addition. You wouldn't even be questioning it. But in this case, oh, it makes perfect sense if he's a left-hand defenseman. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Let, let me ask you this. I mean, how much do you think Keandre Miller? I mean, Keandre Miller. I think over the last whatever two three weeks has looked fantastic. He's playing a much more physical game. He's playing a much more confident game. He really looks like he absolutely belongs in that in that top four, and, and he's going to be there for a long time. How much of a factor do you think that's that it played into this? Knowing that you're probably going to play those top four. A lot in the playoffs, no matter what anybody says, those guys are going to be logging a ton of minutes. In an yeah, I, I, he wasn't the one I was worried about. You know, I think when when Mark Giordano made the decision to go to Toronto, uh, I would imagine that 
I don't know if the Rangers would have paid that price. Um, they were certainly in on Giordano, and uh, you know, I, I think if you ended up with a guy like Giordano, obviously he can take Nemeth's spot, but he can also play with Adam Fox. You know, he can he can move Ryan Lindgren down the lineup a little bit because Lindgren yeah. is is you know, and it's not just his face after getting after <laughs> getting you know noogied by Pat Maroon in that fight behind the Ranger net when Maroon inexplicably decided he was going to. You know, throw a body check on Shesterkin. Yeah. Um, you know, when we know what kind of guy Lindgren is, he'll do whatever. But uh, but he's been wearing down a little bit, I think, over the last month or two. And and uh, you know, you ha- you definitely have a concern with a guy like him. Uh, this is going to be the first eighty-two game season for all these young defensemen for in a, in a couple of years. It's going to be their first eighty-two plus game season with playoffs. Um, you don't want them to be worn out if when game one comes and and it, and the intensity goes way way up. Um, so you know it, that versatility with a guy like for a guy maybe like Giordano or maybe a different veteran lefty you you would have wanted to see, but uh, but I guess they pivoted after Giordano said he was going to the Leafs and it was a decent you know couple second round picks and and then a throwing of a of a third to get Col- former Ranger Colin Blackwell to complete that deal. I think Seattle. that's a, that's a sneaky good trade for Toronto. Actually, it is. It is. I'm sure it'll. Way. I'm sure it'll backfire somehow because of the <laughs> Leafs, and that's yeah. just how it goes. Yeah. But I, you know, from my understanding, the Rangers were kind of the other team that was in there to the end on Giordano, and that would have, I think, changed the calculus a little bit. Yeah. Not just for what they were looking for on D, but maybe what they would have been able to do asset wise up front. You know, you probably don't. You probably don't spend that fourth round pick in 2023 for Tyler Mott if you've already spent a couple of picks on on. On adding a defenseman, so yeah, you, you just kind of adjust a little bit, and I, I don't think anybody's. It doesn't drop them from you know. I think uh, we did our one to ten ratings on the site uh, for each team, and I gave them an eight. It doesn't drop them to a two or anything, but uh, no. But uh, it does change things a little bit. So just a quick look back at last week, uh, Tuesday, four three overtime went over the Ducks. That was you know a little bit more competitive and closer than you'd like with a team that was uh, in the middle just about kind of precipitating a big sell-off. Uh, Alexander Georgiev was was pretty good in that game, maybe a bit of a surprise start. Um, and then on Thursday, the Islanders come in, 2-1 win. I think we've seen it a lot over the years that the Islanders, when they're dead in the water, come in and beat a Ranger team that's heading to the playoffs and vice versa the last couple of years. So, uh, um, But mostly the Islanders come in and win a game or two at the Garden. It just seems to happen every year for the last decade or so, whether the Islanders stink or whether they're really good, <laughs> yeah. um, such is life. And uh, and then, you know, the ridiculous Ilya Sorokin save. And certainly his friendship with Igor Shesterkin brought his game to another level in, in that night. Sorokin's been really good for the Islanders this year. But, but man, like that crazy save on Panarin and the way that Sorokin played in that game because the Rangers played really well that night, um, that rivalry is, you know, that goalie rivalry of two guys that are really good friends is going to be fun to watch for, for the next few years. Uh, and then the weekend, man, um, two playoff style games, although you wouldn't want to repeat that Carolina game too often and hope for the same result. Uh, but, uh, they didn't play too well in that game. That uh, it doesn't seem like it. I, I think 94 <laughs> shot attempts against is bad in 60 minutes. Maybe that was, it was just a like a rope dope. Like Carolina got their arms got tired from shooting pucks on Georgiev, but he, Georgiev was, Fantastic. Um, thought maybe that would be the game that could propel him to some other team, but at least like we were saying in the first segment, uh, it should be uh, some required viewing for any team that wants to get him after the Rangers presumably let him go for nothing in the summer. So um, yeah, oh yeah, good on, good good on him. him. 
Yeah. yeah, you know, he's he hasn't had the greatest attitude and it's been a it's been a difficult time for him uh you know getting passed over for the heir apparent job to to Henrik Lundqvist, but maybe that was his last hurrah for the Rangers. The the game I want to focus on from last week is the Tampa game because that was a hell of a game too for a 2-1 game. Oh, yeah. Um it was a little sloppy, you know, it wasn't a ton of chances each way. Shesterkin was really good, Vasilevsky was really good. Uh the Rangers had a ton of power plays that were really swallowed up. Uh, by a very good penalty kill uh, from Tampa. They were kind of coming off the high of their big acquisition that everybody thought like, okay, here comes the three-peat now where they go and spend some some pretty heavy assets to to get Brandon Hagel from Chicago, um, kind of recreate that third, that Barkley Goodrow, Yanni Gord type player uh, acquisition from a few years before. Um, but the Rangers pulled it out and swept the season series from Tampa and uh, – this was probably the most impressive game of those three that the, the Rangers played, especially down there. Um, power play goal from Hispanijad with 16 seconds left in regulation. Um, you know, th- that's the kind of game to me that says, you know, and this is before they make all these acquisitions, that uh, the Rangers, I think, have a little bit more fortitude to them than I think people are giving them credit for. Like we've, you know, we, it feels like they've been apologizing for wins since day one of this season, whether it's Igor saved them or the power play saved them or whatever. But five on five, that might have been their best game, probably against a good team at least in in a couple months or maybe even all year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I mean, I, you know, lately I think they haven't been. I, I think internally, I think this team really has a good belief in themselves and and they don't no matter what the score is, they really don't stop playing. They they try to come back and they have the most comeback wins in the league now. I think it's 20, 20 comeback wins or something like that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That Tampa game was fantastic. That was fun. It had an edge right from the start. Um, the power play, you know, looked looked rough for most of the game. They had a lot of opportunities, and I think they earned those opportunities. Um, and then, yeah, to have that Zabanage head goal from uh, – the bread man with 16 seconds left was so sweet. Um, they, they really deserve to win that game. They played well. And then I think coming off that, uh, obviously not a good game against Carolina. They looked tired. It was a letdown game. Carolina's a great team. You know, there was a lot of factors going into that, but I think you could kind of feel that coming off of such a big win and such an emotional win, I think against, against the lightning. Um, yeah, that that was a really fun one, and I I don't think they have, I, you know, you watch the way what Tampa did to them uh, on the power play. I think Tampa plays a pretty um, aggressive penalty kill, and I obviously gave the Rangers problems. I think with some of the acquisitions that we made, I think the Rangers are going to start doing that to teams. I think that it, obviously the penalty kill has been really good all year, but not a lot of shorthanded chances. I think the I think you'll start to see that maybe now with with some of these new players in the lineup, but. Um, yeah, I absolutely love that, that Tampa game and that you have, if you're Chris Drury and you're watching that, you go, you know what? We can hang, we can hang with these teams. If we add a couple of pieces, which they did, I, I think, uh, it's very encouraging. And then obviously <laughs> when you get to the Carolina game, you look at it and you go, man, we really weren't hanging with them at all. Maybe we should get some pieces. And I think, I think the combination of those two things over the weekend really, uh, kind of solidified the plan. And I, I think they did it right. Yeah. You know, the last, the two games down there with Carolina won whatever it was, six, eight weeks ago where they got smoked. And then this one where they, you know, Georg- they were both Georgiev games, both second half back to backs. It's harder to gauge how, how much, how well they match up. Maybe if, you know, I don't know exactly when the, when Carolina comes in, what the schedule looks like, if that, that'll be more of a, a measuring stick as we go forward. And now this week, uh, tonight here in New Jersey against the Devils. Sunday, the Sabres come to the Garden. So you've got two 
teams that are out of it sandwiched around the Penguins on Friday night, which should be a real fun one. Um, Penguins went out and got the guy that I that the Rangers were in on for a while until they started to focus more on Andrew Kopp, which is Ricard Raquel from the Ducks. Um, so I'm curious to see, uh, you know, everybody's going to look a little funky, I think, for the next few games at least, Rangers with all the different guys trying to slot them in and, and uh, you know, you always have to be wary of the teams after the deadline that are out of it and didn't do much like the Devils, the Sabres. Uh, the dead cat bounce is real. and uh, it, Yeah, that, it, that the, Sabres game feels like it's going to be like a 3-2 shootout loss or something, you know? Just you know, that. I think, yeah, I think the uh, I think the move there is probably to play Georgiev in that one. You, yeah, you want to. You want to keep him fresh. He, he's, you know, he's going to be sitting essentially for a week since an incredible performance. Um, since he's probably not playing, to, he's definitely not playing tonight. I think Shesterkin's in, and he's almost certainly not going to play Friday. So, you know, I think the Rangers are in position where you keep him fresh. Uh, you know, goes in against some teams like that. Maybe gives a, a team that the Rangers that's not quite as up for that one coming off of whatever is going to happen on Friday against Pittsburgh. Give them a little bit of lift to have a different face in net, uh, and it's still it's still prove it time for Georgiev. You know I, he didn't get traded. He's definitely not going to be a Ranger beyond this season. He's not going to play in the playoffs unless things go really south. But you still got to be a pro, and uh, there's still some things to prove because he's got 31 potential employers out there that are watching him. So uh, I'll be curious to see how he handles whatever spot duty he gets the rest of the season and see what uh, what Gallant and his coaching staff can come up with with all these different bodies floating around. Uh, he said it looked like training camp out there for morning skate today because they had so many extra guys. And uh, we'll see what, uh, what Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott and uh, Justin Braun can do. Um, and yeah, I think going forward, you know, I wrote it the other day, Andrew Kopp, is the guy I think if he likes it here, um, you know, he's obviously he's been best friends with Jacob Truba since they were 10 years old. And uh, it's kind of wild that they're back playing together again after all after a couple years apart from from when Truba was traded from the Jets. Um, Mott knows them also. Um, I don't know if they can really afford him, but but, you know, that a lot of decisions that they need to make. And, and you can say, oh, well, if Andrew Kopp wants, you know, six times five or so or five times five. And yeah, they can't afford him. But uh, but to have this sort of strength down the middle, whether it's Strom at the number two center spot or somebody else, or they think Philip Heedle can handle it, um, if you've got Zabanajad in the in the top spot and you've got Andrew Kopp in the middle six and the, down the middle, um, you have those anchor type guys. You don't want to let them go. So uh, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on Andrew Kopp and see how he fits in and, and what he can bring to this this lineup. Absolutely. And you know the other thing that I think is going maybe un talked about is that a word uh is that cop can win a face-off too so you know that that's another element that that's been a problem for the rangers historically and and definitely the last few seasons so you know a guy that can go out there i think he's i looked it up quick yesterday i don't remember exactly off the top of my head but i think he's like 53 percent or something so that's, that's like be nice. 90 90 percent compared to compared <laughs> yeah exactly to which is like 100 percent better than what they've been doing so yeah uh yeah no it'll, it'll be really interesting cops obviously the centerpiece uh but again vetrano mott um, and we'll see what Braun has to, has to say for himself uh, in the lineup. But yeah, it's it's exciting. It's cool to see, and I think I think they did the thing they needed to do uh, without you know mortgaging the future. So it's really cool. It'll be it'll be a good game tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you, Chris, and thanks everybody for listening to the Garden Faithful. If you're enjoying the show so far, follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a five star rating and review. It really helps us grow the show. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. 
Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. That's Chris Flannery. I'm Arthur Staple. This is The Garden Faithful. We'll catch you next week.